they basically can use all the water they want. Yeah. And there's some kind of weird thing there. And people that have been around a while, they, they can like, like in the Sacramento river Delta, they're the, these farmers that are under that regime are able to just take as much water out of the Delta as they want. That's crazy. No. Yeah. And so it, it should be, you know, something need, needs to change with that. And there's a weird thing I, I read on Huffington Post. I don't know if you read it, that there's water like disappearing. That's kind of like unaccounted for um, that in the Delta area that there's, you know, large amounts of water that they, they know it's, it's like, I don't know, in aquifers or whatever, but it's just like, it's going somewhere and they they're not exactly sure, but they think it's some farmers and it's like, it's kind of a weird mystery. And uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't seen that yet, but it sounds interesting. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's a lot that needs to be done and, um, you know, <laughs> getting, stopping fracking yeah, and all the water that you, the, all the water they use for that. Oh, well, okay. Oh, all right. Well, let's get started. Yeah, let's get started. It's really freaking hot in here, so I hope I keep my focus up. Um, yeah, let me take my sweater off real fast. Okay, here we go. Hmm. And welcome back to the Heather McCoy Show. Joining me on the line is Robert Larson. He comes to us from the other side of the Cleveland National Forest. Welcome to the show, Robert. Hey, Heather. Good to be with you. Good to be with you, too. And um, so we'll start off with our first story. Um, I guess that's the best way to go about it. Uh, Apple Valley has its own uh, police fatality video making national headlines. So South Carolina and Oklahoma and some of the other places um, have competition now from the IE. Yeah, I mean, you know, these police brutality, excessive force, shooting people in the back and all this kind of stuff, it it's really become an epidemic and it's been going on for a long time. I think we're seeing a lot more of it. I mean, we're finding out about a lot more of it now because people everybody's got a video camera on their smartphone or otherwise. And so they're they're these cops who are doing this stuff are getting caught more often. And so, yeah, it, it's really, uh, to me, it's very, it's very frustrating. It's very maddening that you see this all the time. And uh, so now we've got one right in my backyard here in the IE in Apple Valley. And this is, it's made national news and everything. Uh, there's a, a man um, who was, I mean, he seems that he was obviously engaged in some criminal activity and was running from uh, police officers he uh, stole a horse, and uh, anyway, they, police caught up with him, and um, in the process of apprehending him, they used uh, what appears to be um, excessive force. Even Sheriff John McMahon of the uh, San Bernardino uh, Sheriff's Department, who was the authority there, is said, yeah, this appears to be excessive and uh, called the images disturbing so and they were kind of just beating the crap out of this guy kicking him and punching him when he seemed to be uh, already uh abdued so they said so they were hitting the man for roughly a minute after he was hit uh with a taser and lying face down so a minute may not seem like very long but when somebody's uh 
beating you up, it's quite a long time. Oh yeah, the, the propensity for damage that can be done in a minute is just astronomical. Yeah, and so, um, fortunately it doesn't appear that the guy is, is suffering any really severe injuries, but that's, that's not the point. They, no. they, they were, they were punishing these guys. And this is what, you know, why some of us who are interested in, in justice find this frustrating is that it's, what it is often a matter of is police officers, um, being, uh, you know, punishing the, these, uh, suspects. And so they're being like judge, jury, and executioner. In this case, uh, fortunately he wasn't executed, but you know what I'm saying? It's just like, uh, he's a suspect at that point. He hasn't been convicted of anything. Your job is only to apprehend the guy. And when he is unsubdued, it's not your job to punish him. Yeah. But this, this appears to go on. And anyway, so, uh, this is another one here, right in our backyard. And and his attorney, uh, the the man who was beat up, Francis uh, Jared uh, Pusak, is uh, is being held at uh, West Valley Detention Center in Rancho Cucamonga. And his attorney is saying that he's a little bit concerned about it because um, uh, that he might be punished further by authorities there because four deputies who work at that jail were suspended in October and uh, three uh, left the sheriff's department because they were abusing um, uh, inmates there, and they were saying that they were actually torturing them. So, uh, yeah, so he's concerned, and he, he wants uh, a little bit more attention given to his client so that he's not further put in danger, seen as you know, an enemy to the law enforcement. Wow, that is quite a story. Uh, in Menifee, a disturbed guy kidnapped his ex-girlfriend and shot her friend in the face. Um, did, why is all, again, another weird, violent crime in the Inland Empire City? Yeah, it's like I've said several times on the show that this area, the Temecula Valley, Menifee, Murrieta, Temecula, this whole area, I mean, overall, this crime statistics are, are pretty low. Uh, there's not an extraordinary amount of violent crime, but it does seem when it does happen, it gets kind of uh, kind of gnarly at times, and weird weapons being used, and uh, it's it's not the peaceful uh, planned community, no crime thing that people think it is. Uh, so, but he, anyway, oh, I think you had a drone hovering outside of your house just then. Yeah, I got a helicopter going overhead. Uh, <laughs> I hope it's not too uh, <laughs> disturbing. It's kind of hot can, here. Yeah, we can press on. I'm just thinking maybe a grizzly murder just happened close to the, your, the place where you're living at the moment. So, yeah. It's quite possible. But, uh, yeah, so uh, anyways, this guy over in Menifee, Quentin Murphy, 47. Uh, he had an ex-girlfriend. I get a situation where she didn't want to see him anymore, and he didn't want to accept that so he went to her work to ask if he could talk to her and she agreed to talk to him and went outside and uh, they were in her car talking and he pulls a gun on her and to, you know makes her drive to his uh, um, place and uh, shows her a suicide note and saying you know he's gonna kill himself and so she, of course, is freaked out, and while he's holding her, 
against her will at his house, he um, she managed to uh, surreptitiously get off a text message to her family asking for help. So uh, her family and friends came. Uh, um, I think I, I don't think she had the time to tell them where she was, but they somehow figured it out when she wasn't at work, and they came there to sort of rescue her. And uh, they uh, they saw her car outside, knocked on the door. She came running out of the house screaming, and then gunfire rang out. And uh, so this disturbed man, Quentin Murphy, uh, shot one of the girl's uh, friends in the face, which is kind of, you know, that's, that's really bad. And then one of the friends, to stop the... Um, the uh, guy with the gun got in his truck and like rammed the guy and like pinned him against another car and mangled his legs pretty badly or at least one of his legs and even though he was you know his leg was probably broken he was still firing the gun and it, it took a while to finally get him subdued but the um, the magic power the of person, journal, adrenaline right so the one person did get um, like I said shot in the face they said he's going to survive but hopefully his uh he won't be horribly disfigured and uh but uh, the guy who ha who did all this and had the suicide note didn't actually end up killing himself but uh nearly took someone else's life and uh it's just an ugly story and uh you know it, and then it was one of those things where the neighbors of this suspect were saying, wow, he, you know how you always hear this, he appeared to be a nice, gentle person. <laughs> we were really shocked that he would do something like that. We're and, shocked and that, I guess, yeah. I guess it's, you know, yeah, I can see that. I mean, that, I guess that's, a lot of times people, they have led fairly normal lives and then they just snap. Yeah, we're and, absolutely shocked that he had heads in the freezer and was eating their tongues for lunch. It's just, yeah, it's just kind of weird how that always seems to happen. Uh, and so, well, another thing before before we move on yeah. from that that was a little upsetting was that the girl, the the you know one that was kidnapped and ran out of the house, she um she ran to one neighbor's house and they like refused to help her. They wouldn't let her in. I guess maybe they thought she was insane or something. But I could see that. Kinda, yeah, but it's kind of like sad in a way, too. I would feel bad if it was me. Oh, God, I didn't help that person, you know? Yeah, but on the other hand, all you see is pounding at your door and somebody frantic, and th yeah, that's kind of scary on its own, right? Yeah, um, so it's it's a tough call. It is a tough call. Um, a Temecula man was shot in the face at a... Um, no, I'm sorry. A Temecula man was shot at a house party. Um, that's me being dyslexic on my notes. Um, so... It, Again, is this like some weird, awful crime again? Well, we don't have a lot of details on this story, but I just thought I would bring it up in relation to this one we just talked about in the sense that, again, generally a pretty quiet community, but not as quiet as you might yeah. think. And these violent crimes do occur. And, and, you know, so we have this shooting crime and then this other one here in Temecula. And it was just a house party. And I don't, not much, a lot of details out on it so far, but... Somehow a gun was, you know, there was an altercation and a gun and came out and somebody uh, was shot. And uh, the uh, condition of the victim has not even been, had not even been released at this time. But it's just like, wow, 
It's a fair amount of shooting that goes on in the Temecula Valley. <laughs> yeah, I would like to know what their how much gun ownership is reported in the Inland Empire versus, oh, I don't know, Orange County, L.A., see if there's a difference. Um, so we'll leave off with this. An IE Assemblywoman is introducing a bill that will make it so that um, it gets around the laws that different municipalities have regarding browning lawns, and that can be a finable offense since we are in drought. Um, one of my questions always is, is, what do you do about homeowners associations? Because they always kind of play by their own rules to start with. Right. Well, I think she's trying to get around that. Um, and it, this is Cheryl Brown, uh, a Democratic Assemblywoman from San Bernardino. And, you know, she's saying California's in the fourth year of the worst drought in our state's history and is completely counterintuitive to penalize people who are trying to conserve water. And that seems pretty logical. So, and of course, the state government, led by Jerry Brown, has just come out with all these new regulations about cutting back water. And it's just like, wow, the, one of the easiest ways to cut back on your water usage is to not have grass. Grass takes a lot of uh, water. And if you live in uh, a lot of the IE, especially where I live here in the Temecula Valley, it's pretty much desert. So you should have desert plants. You should have um, drought-resistant plants. And I know where I live, that's what we have. And we have no grass. We have these great, wonderful, ornate river rocks everywhere. Those little round ones, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, those are great. Yeah, they're, they're beautiful. And then some, a lot of succulents and things like that. And, and a lot of other people are doing that. And um, you're right. So there are like homeowners associations and in city governments, county governments that are, you know, have these ordinances in place saying you cannot have a brown lawn. You have to have a landscaped lawn, has to be grass that's green. And so uh, Assemblywoman Brown is just saying, look, we need to put this legislation through that I'm proposing that will say, no, it is okay to let your grass turn brown during this drought. And that, I mean, obviously, I don't think they're going to say that that you have to allow people to have weeds three or four feet high. No, no, that that's going to look ugly and bring down people's property values. But put in the rocks, put in the drought-resistant plants, and a lot of that stuff is really cheap. And, in fact, there's a, an organization going around that uh, will uh, go to your house and take out your grass and put in drought-resistant plants uh, for free. And what they're doing, it's some. I kind of admire this entrepreneur who came up with this. You get a certain sort of um, kickback from the state, a tax break or whatever, something, and that this they'll like they split that with you, and so you kind of both win. And, that is but nice. you don't, yeah, and so you don't have to pay any money up front, and uh, and this is just good in the long run. And even say we just get tons of rain the next few years, and the drought ends, it's still like we should in the more deserty areas of Southern California have these uh, drought resistant plants. It's just, it's just smart. It is. And even if the drought is in, you should always conserve. Um, and I yeah. don't think that's what a lot of people do. Um, yeah, on a funny note, and we'll leave it off at this. Um, growing up, we were the house that drove down property values. Um, <laughs> 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 did you have did you have dead cars in your lawn? No, but we had lots of really tall grass and weeds, and uh, yeah. So, anyways, your uh, dad didn't make you get out there and mow it. 
Oh, he did, but our grass was more weeds than grass. When you mowed it, it looked okay, but it, yeah, we we were the, and it wasn't landscaped. It was just like it was like lumps. That was the front lawn was basically mump like lumps. <laughs> uh, the backyard was completely out of control. But anyways, um, Robert Larson, he comes to us from the other side of the Cleveland National Forest. Thanks for being on the show this morning, Robert. It's always my pleasure. And of course, this is the McCoy Show. What, what I will say about that is, like, the backyard, 